Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello. Today, I'd like to welcome Elaine Ewing to the podcast. Elaine is the department chair of the Wisdom Traditions and also an associate professor. Thanks for speaking with us. Thanks, Dave, for inviting me to this podcast. I'm so excited and nervous. Awesome. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) How authentic of us. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Well, I teach mostly in the Master of Divinity program here, Mm -hmm. which trains people to be hospital and prison chaplains and things like that. But I'm also currently this semester teaching the meditation course for the undergrads, which is a lot of fun, Mm. and also a research class out at Paramita, which engages the left brain. (laughs) The left brain, yeah. (laughs) Which is necessary to navigate in this world, so we need both sides. Yeah, we we have both sides, don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Naropa, we love the right brain, Yeah, and we love meditation, Mm. and um, we're always interested in figuring out how to make it work in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And here we are, figuring it out. Yeah, right. Awesome. So what are we going to be talking about today? Well, I thought we could talk about how do we blend contemplative practice with service in the world? Because that's really the most interesting thing that I've, you know, just I feel my whole life path has been actually engaging that question. Because I... I've been practicing for over 40 years, but also had to have a family, a job, mm. not in Boulder, which is a little yeah. more, you know, a lot, a lot of forms and bureaucracies to navigate. And, mm-hmm. and what I train my um, students, our chaplains to work with is that they'll be going into these situations where there is a medical care hierarchy or yeah. there is insurance or there is... Mm-hmm all these things that we've created our social world out of. Mm. And so the question is, how can we actually extend ourselves and offer ourselves to that world in an authentic way where we're not sort of burning out (laughs) at the same time? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I'm interested in. Yeah. In all different ways. Interesting. Seems as though a chaplain holds a space for the person who is passing or transitioning, going into the bardo in the Buddhist sense. It's kind of like a doula, you know, because you have have somebody there for the baby, you have Mm -hmm. somebody there for the medical issues, but the doula is there for the the mother, the birth person, the person giving birth, and and the chaplain's there for the person transitioning. Yeah, and it's sort of finding out what the values and sort of even sometimes rituals that mm. are comforting for that person yeah. and being able to be curious enough about what's happening with them mm-hmm. in their time of dissolution. And sometimes it's not always death and dying. It could be just times of grief. There's actually yeah. an emerging field called disaster chaplaincy. So we're actually have, mm. we've witnessed many natural disasters as well as violence, you know, the yeah. recent gun shooting disasters mm-hmm. of How do people work with that? How can we support people both at the kind of peak getting over the 
the most difficult part of maybe clearing out yeah. your house that's flooded, but also the the residual part that can go on for years. Like we're seeing that in Puerto mm. Rico, that it goes on for years of actually yeah. trying to recreate one's life in some way. And and so part of the practice is actually how do we meet people there and with an open heart, mm. our open heart, and not become overextended in our open heart. Yeah. 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 And when you're talking yeah. about like people repairing their lives, it's there's a the material world repairing of the building, the mm-hmm. carpet, whatever. Right. And then there's this psychological rebuilding as well. Like we have we have emotions. We're emotional beings. Right. We have we have a mind that right. we function with and there's a lot of needing to rip that carpet out too sometimes. Yeah. There's a lot of loss of that emotional mm. carpet that you might say. And, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, when someone dies, of course, we're losing that connection we had with that person in a yeah. certain way. I mean, you know, there's memories and everything like that, but we're, you know, we're allowing some part of mm. our lived experience, our energetically lived experience to just pass on. And yeah, so that's part of how we can actually give, like just acknowledge that moment because mm. so often we don't. Or our society skips over that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we acknowledge that moment? Yeah, we talk a lot about sort of acknowledging it with a sense of both presence but uncertainty. Mm. So part of bearing witness is actually, for me, it's actually acknowledging, like I've been with people when they've died and you actually don't know when they're going to die. Yeah. So it's not like, you remove life support and then they die. That doesn't happen, mm-hmm. actually. So it's acknowledging, you know, moment by moment by moment. And I feel that's where our contemplative practices are very supportive, if mm. if not only just maybe for us, you know, that helps us be more present with that moment-to-moment dissolution or even mm. giving birth. You know, there's a moment-to-moment of all of our life, really. Yeah. I mean, death is the one that's most poignant often. It's the yeah. largest marker. But mm-hmm. how do we stay with that moment to moment? And and so there's, you know, I'm a Buddhist and we teach meditation here, but mm-hmm. there's other contemplative practices that I yeah. feel that we also teach here, like centering yeah. prayer, you know, different Hindu prayers, practices. Mm. I feel that's what we deeply is embedded in our curriculum here is how to be with that moment to moment sort of acknowledgement of sort of good and bad, happy and sad, you know, all the things that have been written about, but you know, here we actually give ourselves a chance to be curious about that. What's Mm. that actually like in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. Having a reflection of the moment because we're, we can experience the moment, but then you have this, I'm having a moment, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you, you, you step out of the moment to view the moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's something interesting about meditation that you focus on the breath and then Mm -hmm. by focusing on the breath, you start noticing the moments. And then by noticing the moments, you start noticing the mind moments. Mm -hmm. So what the mind's doing during this moment. Yeah. And so by doing that, you've, you create a, you create this practice that you can show up in the mm-hmm. moment, even in hard moments, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not easy. Yeah. And it feels as though the the chaplain's space that they hold feels very difficult, but it's it's a different type of training. Yeah, you know? it is. It is. But also I want to say what you just said is, is relevant. And 
we were having exactly this conversation that you mm. just sort of talked about in my introductory meditation class for the undergrads. Oh, yay. Yeah, <laughs> because, because you know, you know, one of them had just totaled her car and things like that. Mm. So they were just talking about the difficulties they experienced, even, you know, having to study a lot or worry about papers and things. And yeah. that, that reflective mirror-like quality of mind that mm. meditation allows you to have, you know, yeah. sort of reflects back on your experience it doesn't take away your experience and that's yeah part of what i feel it, it doesn't some people think you know they come to meditation they think they'll erase their mind or something <laughs> good luck <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> but here we actually give ourselves time to sort of befriend all these aspects of our mind yeah yeah yeah, yeah. becoming friends with the mind <laughs> yeah, right. that you know that will always benefit you yeah yeah <laughs> in all these different situations so it's you know so i teach the mdiv students and that's very much you know those moments that are very i guess you could say stressful or more mm. extreme in terms of grief or un disruption yeah really but also you know, the meditation class provides the foundation mm. for that, really. Yeah. Yeah. And just so everyone knows, the MDiv program is the Masters of Divinity program. Right. Yeah, so. it's the one where we get halos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. I haven't taken that class yet. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be kind of interesting to go from an undergraduate, kind of first-timer, interested in meditation person yeah then going to someone who's this is their career path to mm -hmm. be a chaplain and hold space and to be a spiritual light guidance yeah. for people yeah what is that like are the classes butted up against each other and you gotta <laughs> change oh, you who you are to each one? like how is that having the different types of students yeah well the obviously the graduate students need more i guess you would say content or frameworks for yeah. how they might think of their career professionally mm -hmm. so there's certain um, frameworks that we present to them in the mdiv training which include a very here we have a um very deep what we call buddhist theology training yeah. inspired yeah well it's actually here it's buddhist it, it is indo-tibetan buddhism so yeah. all mdiv programs if you go to you know, I live, which is in Denver, they're mm -hmm. Christian, so you'll have to study, you know, biblical texts and history of Christianity. Okay. So here we have a comparable study of in-depth study of Buddhism, mm -hmm. of Indo-Tibetan Buddhism, and sort of not just the study of the history and sort of the basics, sutras and teachings, but yeah. also the meditation practices that go mm. along with that. So that's the infrastructure there, even though not all of our mm. students are Buddhist. Totally. So not all of the students become Buddhist, but we hope that with this training, they'll be able to discern, you know, what is the kind of ultimate truth or the core yeah. teachings that all religions present, as yeah. well as, you know, what kind of practices, rituals of different traditions they might want to mm. sort of embody. Because I feel the personal practice in chaplaincy work is so important in supporting you yourself like when yeah when i was a buddhist chaplain in philadelphia i was like often the only buddhist there so i mm -hmm. i was the buddhist chaplain on call so every mm -hmm. once in a while i'd get a buddhist either asian or western buddhist who mm -hmm. wanted buddhist support yeah. but most of the time i was supporting people from interfaith you know sort of yeah. i was the interfaith chaplain so i would 
actually need to be curious and inquire about mm-hmm. what kinds of religious traditions or none that might support each individual person. Yeah. So my Buddhist practice supported me in that journey, mm-hmm. you know. So I might not always, exp- you know, sort of be teaching the Dharma to them in the hospital, yeah. but I would be supporting myself in that journey of finding, I always thought of it as finding, well, what is like what we call the basic goodness or the bodhicitta yeah. that exists in mm-hmm. this person? How do they experience it? And I would always just be curious about that. And sometimes it was through formal Christian practice. Yeah. Sometimes it was about people's families and we'd hold hands. Yeah. And sometimes it was about talking about the football team, you know, yeah. the Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, I mean, that was meaningful yeah. to people. So just different things. So you would... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I felt by opening that conversation pathway, I could actually, you know, really find, you know, have more genuine connection with them. Yeah. You know, I understood it in an inner sense, like that's my Buddhist practice, but I would mm-hmm. never say, oh... What's mm. your basic goodness like or anything? I would just sort of be curious about what warmed their heart. And you could actually see yeah. that in the... Uh, um, they I would like open up. That. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It warms my heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems as though there's something within meditation that makes it more sustainable to be a chaplain because there is a lot of emotional give and take there like yeah. you're holding you're holding some serious space for people transitioning yeah yeah that's just true. doesn't it seems very hard it's not it's not cut out for everybody yeah not everyone can do that and that's so true. as like a psychologist you're listening to people talk about their stuff mm-hmm. all day and you got stuff too and <laughs> you're a person and we have psyches and we filter everything through our hearts and minds right. and right and it seems as though meditation has this rejuvenation sort of uh, resetting kind of factor to it. Yeah, it allows us to reset and also just take a fresh start at any moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Be here now. (laughs) (laughs) How about now? (laughs) Now, now, now. Now? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah, right. (laughs) And I have to say, in healthcare settings, things happen quickly sometimes. So there is an agility to it. Mm. Yeah, it's not for everybody, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good yeah. thing, good thing that we teach this here. You know, we have this. It just, I don't know, just helping everyone out in a sense yeah. to give them yeah. a good footing in the career path that they want to take. Yeah, yeah. I really feel that meditation in general is just a good foundation for people. Yeah. In whatever they choose to do, so that's why, in a way, mm. you know, going from the undergraduate introduction to meditation class to the MDiv classes is similar. The MDiv classes need a lot more academic rigor for lack of a better word yeah but that core is still there that core Mm -hmm. is still important for us just to feel like we're whole people yeah at this time it's such a struggle to feel like you're a whole person Mm. i mean (laughs) i mean just (laughs) i still read the newspaper online and everything just to be bombarded with so many different things yeah and just to take us and needs and wants, and there mm-hmm. is a lot of ne- need in this world right yeah. now too. So I feel we w- would want to be prepared to be able mm. to offer what we have here to the yeah. world, but in a sane way, not just yeah. you know, throwing stuff at them. 
We should be training world chaplains. <laughs> world chaplains. <laughs> yeah, people hold space for the world because the world <laughs> is just shifting all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's so many things going on to just, ooh. Yeah. One of our graduates, I wasn't here, but she does eco-chaplaincy. So, you know, oh. ta- and one of my students last semester talked about nature chaplaincy. So, ooh. you know, because Very there's cool. so much changing in our physical world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we looked at disaster chaplaincy. There, it's kind of an emerging, it's a little different than psychology in that mm-hmm. we're not so much therapy-oriented, but we are walking with people through whatever yeah. they're experiencing, usually in difficult situations. Yeah. Less yeah. diagnosing and more holding space. Yeah, yeah. Compassionate space, like skillful, yeah. compassionate, Yeah. there for you. Yeah, that's true. Mm. It's not about the diagnosis as much it's at like, all. Oh, well, you have an issue with your shadows, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, right. read this. <laughs> right. It's not about diagnosis as much. But, you know, it is about awareness. So. Yes. But I found in my last semester, I taught the pastoral care class, and we talked about this a little. It's not so much that you have a, you know, it's almost fresh every time. In a way, mm-hmm. it's... I experience it as very creative because you have to mm. look at what people need from different dimensions. So it might be yeah. they need something from their religious tradition. They need the mm. Lord's Prayer or something. Or yeah. they might need a psychological understanding of grief. Yeah. Or they might need sort of an investigation of their social location in terms mm-hmm. of diversity, you know, a social context, mm. not a psychological one. So it sort of encompasses all of these ways of looking at things Mm -hmm. or the lens we say the lenses of pastoral care like how can we care for someone in different lenses Mm. so i um, like that yeah so how how does one do that well you have to be kind of (laughs) you have to be kind of adaptive actually yeah on the spot a bit you can't sort of both overreach or over Mm. project what you think might be happening yeah but you also need to be there to sort of um, walk with people and potentially yeah. sort of surface things for them. So it does have some of that kind of skill, mm. but it's also navigating and just also being aware of your own blind spots and locations yeah. and all of that kind of thing. It's a person who develops spirit in general because spirit is involved in all religions. Yeah, All religions have spirit. It's kind of like you don't have music without noise. Yeah. So if you understand noise, <laughs> you might get music. Yeah. So if if one is developing the spirit and the soul and the heart, these mm-hmm. are all things that everybody has. Mm-hmm. And so you can relate in any way. Yeah. I've met a I met some people who are Christian and they wanted to say the Lord's prayer with me and it's not really something I do. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to give me a blessing, yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. You know, if you want to if you want to bless me, I bless mm-hmm. you right back. Yeah. And that, that just feels really beautiful for someone to share their lens with me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I have a lens that could feel that. So yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah, that's part of the training. So it's more than just being a Buddhist or mm-hmm. a Christian, but it's being able to have that both flexibility, but also confidence that they're not like taking away something from yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I got a question for you. Okay. <laughs> So um, at Naropa, we're a Buddhist-inspired university, okay. but we teach Hinduism, Judaism, Christianity. Mm-hmm. What is it like teaching those different things with a Buddhist-inspired uh, root? Yeah, you know, because we're not we're not a Christian school 
talking about Buddhism, we're we're a Buddhist-inspired university talking about Christianity, talking about Judaism. Yeah, and so so actually we were talking about the department here Mm -hmm. um, before we started our talk, and so we do have our rabbi here, Zvi. He just wrote this amazing book. Yeah, he lives next door to me. Oh, okay, so you know all about his... I taught his son DJ lessons, too. Oh, okay. I love Shvi. He's very awesome. Yeah, but he's a traditionally trained rabbi. Yeah. 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 He, if you go in his office, he's got all the mm-hmm. books, you know, of the Torah on, yeah. his, on his wall. Um, we have Jason Hayes, who's my colleague in the MDiv program, mm-hmm. um, teaching a lot of the applied MDiv courses, who's contemplative Christian. Yeah. Ben Williams just came on board as our Hindu scholar practitioner, so mm-hmm. he knows. So we have all of the religions represented in different faculty, but they all have a contemplative approach. So Mm -hmm. that's part of, you know, Mm. so Jason does a centering prayer, and I know Zvi does all these mystical Jewish practices, and Ben as well knows, and uh, Hinduism and Buddhism sort of are very close in terms Mm -hmm. of the family of teachings, you know. Buddhism came out of India, out of the Indian subcontinent. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of closeness there that we could mm-hmm. actually mine in terms of similarities and differences. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we have that. So students actually that come here are sometimes investigate all of these different, yeah. both the practices and also the teachings. We just had mm. a, a great contemplative Islam intensive mm, nice. with Natanel, who comes Another here. Another great teacher. Yeah. So people can investigate both the teachings of those, you know, the mm-hmm. what we would say the doctrine or the teachings of those different traditions, but also really mm. experience the practices of them yeah. and, and sort of maybe investigate where the practices join and, yeah. you know, in terms of actual ultimate mm-hmm. experience and where they're different, where the prayers, the rituals are different. Mm. So, I, I mean, I love that investigation, actually. Yeah, it's like making a Venn diagram of each world religion and seeing where the overlap is yeah and it's usually you yeah <laughs> or yeah. your spirit yeah. where yeah. the center is yeah actually um i was talking with jason hayes the other day and we were talking about how increasingly numbers of people are multiple what we're are called multiple faith belongers so people don't actually yeah. land on just any one tradition and mm-hmm. We have a lot of people like that at, here at Naropa mm. already. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. Who are studying? You know, um, they're taking chanting. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, right, you know, right. What works for you? Yeah, right. And Tai Chi. They're taking Hindu, you know, raga singing and yeah. Tai Chi, and also they're in my meditation class. And so, yeah. So it's just a actually really amazing place to explore. The real depth of those traditions, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the practices and how you can actually experience them personally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like there is something wrong and or okay with borrowing different things from different world traditions, world religions? Because I'm using yoga, I'm using meditation, right. I'm using Christian prayers, <laughs> I'm using the Torah you know, yeah. the, the tree yeah. of life. Uh, I'm using <laughs> fractal geometry yeah, and right, science right, and right, quantum right, physics. Right, right. There's so much interdisciplinary play going on. Do you think that benefits you? or, or Yeah. Like, that's, do you need to be a purist to be spirit? Yeah, and that's actually a great kind of question because I feel a lot of our students, especially the undergrads, but even mm-hmm. the students in the Master of Divinity program go through kind of exploring different things. But then actually to 
cultivate, you know, sort of real stability and depth. Yeah. It, it's really advisable to cultivate one practice mm-hmm. or tradition. Otherwise, it becomes too much information, actually, too much shopping. Yeah. But people have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that here. Yeah. You know, both here. And my hope is, you know, in our BA capstone project and in the projects, you know, that people mm-hmm. do for their Master of Divinity, that, you know, they've landed on one sort of way of knowing. How do you, mm. and whether that way of knowing is just within one tradition or mm-hmm. multiple, but you want to be able to cultivate that way of knowing, epistemology, really, yeah. that how can you take this through your life? This mm-hmm. way of knowing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's some sort of expedited spirit growth or development when you are trying on different kind of like yeah. trying different cups of tea. <laughs> you know, what's your spirit tea like? Yeah. What, what some do you, people, would you add in that? Yeah. Some people think that. I don't I don't know. The jury's <laughs> out on that. But I feel that it's useful to sometimes you learn a lot by what you don't want. Mm. You know, so you learn, oh, that doesn't really fit me. Yeah. So we have that opportunity here for people. Yeah. Yeah. And try it on, see if it works. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And it's usually meditation that just sticks with you. Yeah. Meditation. Because it's applicable to everything. Mm -hmm. To just yourself, to your life, to your mind, to your heart, to your spirit. Yeah. And you can always have it with you Mm. in a way. You know, your breath is always... We teach meditation with the breath. So Mm -hmm. your breath is always with you. So you can... Yeah. Can't get away from it. I can't get away. I tried. From... <laughs> <laughs> like, where are you going? Yeah, right. No stopping. Cool. So, when it comes to your classes, what type of students show up? Do you notice a consistent sort of stereotype, if I may say, or astrological sign, or just like pureness? Or is there a similarity that the students show up as? Like, actually, no. Especially. Good answer. <laughs> in the MDiv, in the Master of Divinity program, we have all kinds of students mm. from multiple age ranges, and some people might have this is their second career. They've, you know, been a computer programmer, and they'd like to mm. do yeah. this as a second part of their life. We have people right out of college doing the program. We have people who've done yoga teaching on mm. Maui or something, and they hey. come, <laughs> and then. Actually, this semester we have three people from Asia who are, who are applying to our program. So that's the cult- awesome. cultural kind of um, yeah. diversity as well. So it's actually quite diverse. Yeah, and yeah. we get foreign exchange students in this program as well. Yeah, and I found, um, actually I was telling this, we just had Chinese New Year. So I went out with like a mm-hmm. few of the Naropa students who are also Chinese. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. What year is it? <laughs> You're the. It's the year of the Earth Dog. Earth Dog. Yeah, so Yay. it's kind of a little more calmer because last year was the Fire Bird or Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this year will be a little more quiet, but I'll, I'll see yeah. about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or at least earthy. Maybe the yeah. Earth will come Going in big back. chunks or something. Mm. But um, all kinds of interesting people come to Naropa, mm. and we have you know, a diversity of faculty actually to sort of support them. And yeah, it's actually a little different than going to like a Dharma center or a university that mm. is just one tradition. Like I know some of the Buddhist inspired universities are run by like 
uh, one llama or something like that, which I, is fine. But mm-hmm. we have many things going on here. Yeah. So like when I did, we just had a conference on aging and dying in December. And yeah. I wanted to include all of the sort of interspersed with all the kind of more podium type presentations. Mm. We had um, different kinds of contemplative practice. So I, we had mindfulness and then we had a compassion meditation Mm. then i had jason do a centering prayer and then i asked barbara dilly one of our emeriti professors and she did a movement meditation which was really Mm. kind of slow but also Mm -hmm. with moving the body so that's just an example of the kinds of ways we approached like what is contemplative practice which is almost like a koan Mm -hmm. here (laughs) <laughs> like what is what is contemplative practice <laughs> yeah, right. it's like a koan that yeah. just echoes and we we can say oh it's this or that but it almost seems like it can be anything relevant to you as long as you're focusing your mind in the moment yeah you know that's a for, good way for instance i play drums and i have to do this yeah. this like how many times have i swung a stick over the last 20 years uh-huh but uh-huh. if I'm in the moment of the the stick swinging, then it, like there's the music. That's the yeah. magic. That's yeah. contemplative to yeah. me. Yeah, that's great actually, and because yeah. that requires some kind of mindfulness and attention yeah. actually to do that. Like, what are the yeah. body mechanics doing? How mm-hmm. is the body built to move through the space? Yeah, heaven, yeah. earth, and person meeting <laughs> in the middle. Oh yeah, we can go. We can go there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so actually bringing that up, the arts and everything, and mm-hmm. somatic practice, our Tai Chi and yeah. yoga programs, they teach us that. Mm-hmm. They support us in that, mm-hmm. you know. And contemplative doesn't just have to be in the mind. It can be in the body as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because mind and body are kind of connected. Just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Even little though relationship. My, maybe we're looking on our iPad. Like, <laughs> we're just there in our iPad. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> interesting yeah awesome yeah well that's yeah. our time okay and well this has been fun thanks yeah, Dave for I stopping by really appreciate you speaking with us today okay thanks a lot so I'd like to thank Elaine Ewan to the podcast she is the department chair of the wisdom traditions and also associate professor at Naropa University so thank you okay bye on behalf of the Naropa community thank you for listening to Mindful You the official podcast of Naropa University Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.